Hey everyone, it's Adam from Team Overdrive, and welcome to episode 34 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. Flying solo today, Jill is out on some traveling adventures, so you've just got me for your introduction. Today's episode is an interview with author Zoraida Cordova. She has a new book coming out on September 6th called Labyrinth Lost, but she has a bunch of other titles that are available that you can go borrow and sample right now from your library. This was an interview that I did at the American Library Association uh, summer meetings in Orlando, and Zoraida is an author who's a big supporter of the We Need Diverse Books movement. We also talked a lot about her inspiration for her books, some of the pop culture things that I thought I saw in there that I was right about, and some that I was not so right about. Uh, we also discussed her love of mermaids and a really fascinating story about how she learned the English language. So. I think you'll enjoy it. Zoraida was a lot of fun. She is yeah, just someone that I think you guys will really enjoy hearing about. So i uh, not going to keep you here too long on this introduction. You can, of course, go borrow any of the content we talk about today from Overdrive.com and through your local libraries. Uh, if you have any questions or any feedback you want to send to the professional book nerds, you can email feedback at Overdrive.com. And if you want to go into iTunes and all the other places where you can subscribe to our podcast and give us a rating, that would be wonderful. We love seeing what you guys have to think. And if you rate the podcast, it helps move us up the ranks just a little bit so people can find us a little bit more easily. Okay, that's it. Hope you enjoy this episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast with our interview with Zoraida Cordova. Hi everyone, this is Adam from Team Overdrive, and today I am joined by Zoraida Cordova, the author of the Vicious Deep Trilogy, the On the Verge series, and Labyrinth Lost, which comes out in September of this year. So Zoraida, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so right at the top, um, I always love giving the authors I talk to kind of the stage first. I don't like giving away spoilers, and I'm always afraid if I describe a book, I'm going to. Can, so can you just kind of give our listeners like an elevator pitch about Labyrinth Lost? Of course. Um, Labyrinth Lost is about a girl named Alex who is a bruja, which is a Spanish word for witch. And she has immense power, but she wants to get rid of it. And in doing so, she banishes her entire family to another dimension. And now she has to get them back, or terrible things will happen. <laughs> And I just, I, I want to say before we dive into it, it's so much fun. It's such a fun book. Like, every little part of it, I really just, I was like, kind of, I felt myself <laughs> like kind of smiling and laughing the whole time. Thank you so and, much. Like, that means really a lot great. to me. Yeah. So a large part of the world building that you do revolves around the heritage of Alex, who, as you mentioned, is the main character um, and her family. So these stories that kind of shape her heritage, were these stories you heard growing up or were these ones that you kind of created to make a background for your character? Um, it's a little bit of both. Uh, Alex herself was born in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. So I wanted, to, and she mentions that her, her grandparents and her great-grandparents come from different parts of South America, Europe, Africa. And so uh, her personal story um, is completely original. Mm -hmm. um, there are some elements like the creatures, the maloscuros in the book, who are demon creatures. Mm -hmm. um, when I was growing up, my family used, my grandmother would tell us bedtime stories about cucos. Uh, which is also found in... I'm Ecuadorian, but as those creatures are also found in Mexican stories. Sure. And it's... In, in Mexico, they're called cucuis. 
Uh, and they're like demon goblin things that <laughs> yeah. will eat you if you do bad things and you're a bad kid. So I took that and turned it into an actual demon mm-hmm. creature. Um, so some things like that. I used to hear stories about fairies, but it, we call fairies hadas. So I created my own version of, of like a fairy kingdom. And that's a, in Labyrinth Lost a little bit as well. But everything else, um, I wanted to. I wanted it to feel like a real religion, like a real mythology. Yeah. And I and I think that everyone who's read it has told me, asked me, like, where does it come from? And and I I feel like really proud of myself because I can say that I just made it up. Yeah, I was saying it feels one hundred percent authentic. It absolutely feels like I was imagining you hearing these stories. You know, as a child, like from like you know a, a grandma or a grandpa, and then I also yeah. got a little worried that I was like, "Oh my God, were you hearing these stories every single night?" I had to be really upset. No, you. It is. It feels incredibly realistic. So Thank it's you. Truly authentic. Um, so, in regards to kind of coming up with the backgrounds, um, when your characters go to Los Lagos, the and you can correct me anytime I'm Los saying Lagos anything. Los Lagos is perfect. perfect. Yeah. Right. So, did you pull any inspiration from anywhere, any like pop culture or anything you've read? Because I don't. Want, I feel like I, I will project my childhood, but I found some stuff in there. I was just curious to see how close that was. Okay, so I was really influenced by Pan's Labyrinth, the movie. Literally have written down here. <laughs> did some of this come from yeah. Pan's Labyrinth? Um, so Pan's Labyrinth, I loved that movie, yes. and I loved um, her transporting her into you know into that other world. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I love Alice in Wonderland. Um, a lot of my humor is Buffy. Yep. Like mm-hmm. um, Buffy was a, a huge influence for me growing up, and I wanted I wanted to write something like Buffy, but with a diverse cast. Right. Um, and um, I I know I see you have the Princess Bride. I do. But I and that's one of my favorite movies as well. Uh-huh. Um, the so magic. Was I wrong? No, it, it it wasn't. It didn't come to mind until later uh-huh. um, when people were were talking about the forests and things like that. Yeah. So that was a lot of fun seeing what other people mm-hmm. see in the book. Yeah. But um, one of my when I was when I was drafting Los Lagos, I I was picturing that each each um, block that she goes through, yeah. each each adventure within the world was a different a different task, like kind of like descending into the inferno and yeah. like like different levels of hell mm-hmm. even though it's not a hell dimension it's it's a fantasy realm within itself yeah but each one represents something different for her and those trials were really important to me uh, so I have two so I got two out of three so yes, Princess yeah, Bride I was wrong but Pan's <laughs> Labyrinth so I was also picking up for me personally and this might just because it's called Labyrinth Lost but I was kind of waiting for David Bowie to pop out as like the right, Goblin yeah. King from the Labyrinth <laughs> I have an obsession with the Muppets but yeah. that was just me but yeah that makes me feel good that I wasn't completely out there. Cool. Um, so I mentioned this before we started recording but I come from a, a city that has a, a strong Puerto Rican background mm-hmm. and you mentioned Pastelitos in the book so this isn't even like a question but I just want to say like, <laughs> it made me so happy because it's such a rare thing that anyone has ever heard of yeah I think that the, that scene was really important to me the scene where they're they're getting ready to eat mm-hmm. and this book is very much family oriented yes. so it's like a multi-generational uh, fantasy and the the food and the music and the culture is really important to Alex and that's something that she doesn't appreciate right away mm-hmm. um, so I I loved 
having all of the food in that scene. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not going to get this. I, <laughs> I literally stopped. And my wife isn't from where I am, but she knows my love of Puerto Rican food. And I was yeah. like, oh my God, you have to see this what's in this book. Um, so that, like I said, it wasn't so much a question. It's just yeah. like a, my respect for you for right. throwing that in Thank there. You. <laughs> um, okay, if you could be a bruja, what would your power be? Um, that is a hard question because with the brujas, you know, magic is... I think all fantasy writers acknowledge that, like, with magic, you give, you know, you give a little and the universe takes a little bit back. Yeah. So, um, I, I would want some kind of water-related power, mm-hmm. even though it's kind of useless. Like, it's kind of like being Aquaman. <laughs> like, I can talk to fish and, like, you know, control the ocean. But because I love mermaids, like, that would be mm-hmm. uh, what I'm... But the drawback with, like, a... a, a um, an elemental power is the the kickback or like you know whatever you get the recoil from the power yeah um, which like maybe my my lungs will fill with water or something like that so it's it's all very treacherous magic and that's why you have to be very careful with how you use it and you just led into my next question so you mentioned you know Labyrinth Lost is very into the world of magic and brujas and but you have a really deep interest in mermaids in yeah. fact some of the other books are about mermaids you just want to maybe talk about that where it came from to sort of give our listeners a little bit of background yeah my first trilogy is the vicious deep trilogy and that was about a teenage boy who uh discovers that he's half merman Mm -hmm. um and i've loved mermaids my whole life i don't know why i think that when i was a kid um i used to watch the little mermaid every single day and to my like my origin story is that that's how I learned how to speak English. It's amazing. Because I I you know, the VHS would be over and mm-hmm. I would be like rewind. Mm-hmm. So we would rewind it. <laughs> and so my my aunt and my mother were just tired of it by the end. They were just like but I, so everybody gives me mermaid things like uh-huh. here's like like mermaid dolls and statues and things like that. Um, so I become like unofficially like the mermaid person. <laughs> um, and when every when people see mermaid things online, they instantly tag me on it mm-hmm. or send them to me. So it's I, I just love I love the idea of them because they're so mysterious and um, it's a creature that hasn't been played with as much. Yeah. So I gave myself liberty to change the mythology. I'm, so I'm curious, what is your writing process like? Are you the type of person who's a strict, like, I'm up at 8 a.m. and I'm going to write until 2 p.m. and I'm going to hit a certain number of words every day no matter what, no matter what those words are? Or are you the type of person that's just, I'm going to write when the inspiration hits me and I'm not going to worry about how much I get down? Just take us through that process for you. Okay, um, the, my very first book, I wrote it uh, without outline. So, really? Yeah. The Vicious Deep I wrote that outline. I later outlined it, like, after I had a draft, just to make sure everything made sense. But I've, I'm a combination of all of the things that you mentioned. Because mm-hmm. um, every single book is different. Sure. Um, my romance novels, I draft, I, I outline them completely. Mm-hmm. Labyrinth Loss was a little bit different because I, there were so many things I wanted to do with that book that I found myself um, having multiple outlines and multiple storylines. And, you know there was so much that I wanted to put in the world and at the end of the day I, I needed to go back to Alex and Alex's journey and say sure to Alex so um, I would wake up I usually wake up late in the afternoon mm-hmm. and then have like an entire pot of coffee yeah of course and then and then work throughout the day sure um, but I, I do I outline I do postcards um, and I write 
a different scene on each postcard, so mm-hmm. I can move them around on like a cork board. Interesting. So it's I'm very visual when yeah. it comes to that, so I can see my scenes and move them around when I when I need to. If I need to, um, if something's not working towards the end, I can move it to the front. Um, and I I write fairly quickly. Like mm-hmm. I like drafting fairly quickly, but when I when I revise and I edit, I I slow down and I take my time, and I go chapter by chapter. And so with Labyrinth Lost, you mentioned because you literally built an entire world and a whole mythology do you think that you will go back to that world and maybe write other stuff I don't want to like in Los Lagos yeah Um, I don't want to give away things I don't know I can't say yet Mm -hmm. uh, for book two whether or not we're going back yet so I don't don't want to ask a question I'm not supposed to in front of your publisher I'm sorry no No, um, it's I'm I'm leaving the door open for Los Lagos Mm -hmm. even though you know things I was going to give away a spoiler myself yeah see that's (laughs) I wouldn't have felt something that way okay good so yeah I'm I'm leaving I just like to leave the door open I never like to fully say no to things Um, okay but I won't make you say anymore we'll see that's totally fair Um, so on our podcast, we're really big proponents of diversity in books. Um, I've been really fortunate to talk to a number of authors who are very big with diversity, actually, a number of them from Sourcebooks, so thank you guys very much. Um, they all really share the same passion for the We Need Diverse Books movement. Can you just kind of speak to why you feel it's so important that our books have more diversity and why we need more of it um, I think that it's because uh, I feel strongly about it just because I... I, I never really ref- saw myself reflected in books when I was a kid. Like, I watched Buffy and Xena and Hercules and um, Charm, Charm and, you know, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. But you never saw um, a character of color mm-hmm. unless they were going to die later on yes, in, in the episode or the that's season. That's true. So I, you know, I, that wasn't a reflection of the real world. Mm-hmm. And growing up, you know, I have friends who were Guyanese and gay mm-hmm. and you know, mul- there were multiple things at the same time. Right. So when when we're told that a book is too diverse, it's erasing an entire part of somebody Absolutely. of who they are. Um, so you can't just be one thing. You can be multiple things, and you can have different representations. And that's just a reflection of, of, of everyday life and different communities. And that needs to be seen. Like, if, if I can see myself in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, mm-hmm. uh, another like a white teenager or, or a, another reader who isn't of my background should be able to see themselves in my work. Um, so it goes both ways. I think that's such a perfect way of putting that because as a, a, a white, middle-class, straight male, I grew up like I'm, I'm like every single person you've ever seen before. <laughs> and so I never thought about it when I was growing up that these characters, of course, are the same as me because in the majority of books still are that way. But uh, you know, reading diverse books as I was growing up, it not only, first off, as a kid, you don't really, like, you don't think, like, oh, this character is gay, or they're African-American, yeah, yeah. or that, it's just, this is the character. This is a cool character. Yeah, and yeah. I think the more that you read these different characters, whether you are white, Hispanic, gay, straight, whatever it is, it just opens you up to more people in the world, and it makes you realize that, you know, not everyone is exactly the way you are, but that does not matter at all. We're all people, and... Yes, exactly. So, yeah, I... I completely agree, and it's, like I said, the more diverse authors I get to speak with, the more and more it's just enlightening, and it's such an awesome. important moment. I'm, I'm glad you feel that way, because I think it's it's really important, and, uh, you know, as we as we look at the political circle now, you know, uh, it's, we want to be able to give kids and teenagers the books to open up their worlds, mm-hmm. so, yeah. I completely agree. 
so Overdrive is a library company. Um, we champion libraries and librarians, and I love asking authors, do you have a favorite or a first memory of a library or a librarian from your kind of childhood? Or? I don't remember the librarians from my childhood, but I grew up in, in Jamaica, Queens, in New York, mm-hmm. and I would take the bus to the library mm-hmm. uh, by myself. And I would go to the teen section because the teen section back then was tiny. There, it was—I don't think it was even called a teen section. I don't remember what it was called, like the youths, the youth <laughs> section. Um, and there were books like Goosebumps and Animorphs and Everworld and um, a lot of the back then there were the issue books. Yeah. Um, and then slowly there were—I saw more books of just regular fantasy books and things come about and so I would go to this library and stock up on books and just you know lug my backpack home but it was really important for me because we couldn't afford to buy books you know like books were just like a luxury and when we did get the Scholastic book fair books yeah. my mom would tell me I could buy one so I could buy one book but if I went to the library I could take out so many more um, and that was really important for me because I, I love to read uh in my when I was a teenager, so. Do you and do you have just in your mind some of the like? Do you remember any of the books that specifically stuck with you? Yeah, um, one of my favorite books was uh, Serena okay. by um, oh my god, Donna Jonapoli, and that was a uh, she was a mermaid mm-hmm. and in I've Greece. I've seen the theme here. Yeah, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this other book called Eclipsed, which. Um, I don't remember the author, but it was it was a long time ago, and it was about a girl who was um, from her best friend was rich and she was poor, and she was having a heart. She was coming of age, and her father was suffering from depression, mm-hmm. and that was one of the first time I saw depression written yeah. um, for adults and sort of explained. Um, and then uh, something like someone like you by uh, Sarah Dessen. Mm-hmm. Those are, that was one of my favorite books growing up as well. And now, do you have? Um books or authors that you really love now you kind of want to champion anything in particular any of your friends or anything that <laughs> you kind of want to give a stage to well I mean I I love a lot of the people that I've been meeting at Mina Diverse Books um, one of my favorite series right now um, is uh, uh, Tiny Pretty Things mm-hmm. uh, Danielle Clayton and Sona Charapatra and that one is kind of like evil ballerinas so okay. which is really nice it's really nice to see just kind of <laughs> girls being uh, different kind, like different kinds of uh, of personalities all at once. Yeah. Kind of like what happens when you put them in, in a, a really high pressure environment. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love reading fantasy with non European backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just started reading um, the Star Touch Queen, uh, and that one is really beautiful. The language is really lush. Um, Anna Marie Macklemore her book The Weight of Feathers is one of the most beautiful books I've ever read it's magical realism Mm -hmm. and it's it's like reading poetry but it's just fantastic interesting this is actually a self that, that's a selfish question that I ask because it's for our, our listeners, but really I just sit here. I'm just, just soaking up book yeah. recommendations. Yeah. All right, so I have a few questions I like to ask at the end of my podcast. I call them the Nerd Nine because okay. we're the professional book nerds. Cool. So these are rapid fire. No, oh, no. you can't no think thinking, a lot about no them. Yeah. Okay, I'll even show them to you so you can look at them while we're kind of talking here. <laughs> okay. but, so the first one is what's the last book you read? The last book I read uh, was, um, oh my god, I'm looking at the cover. Um, Magic Bayou, okay. which is a middle grade novel, yeah. and um, 
I can't remember the author's Jewel name. Jewel Parker Rose? Yes. I actually yeah. spoke with Jewel at okay. PLA. She was, just, she was just talking at the We Need a Diverse Books panel, and I saw her, and I was like, oh, my God. She, I, I, she and I are best friends. She doesn't know, but we're best friends. that's about a mermaid friends. in the bayou. Oh. So, she and I are best friends. She doesn't know that we're best friends now, but Jewel and I are best friends now. Okay, great. Um, what's your favorite place to read? My favorite place to read is, I really like Central Park, because I, I live nearby. Yeah. And I can usually just find, like, a... Not when it's super hot, but I like it. Absolutely. Uh, Guilty pleasure. So, mine was, like... I spend way too much time on Instagram looking at puppies. So, (laughs) like, anything that's, like, a guilty pleasure. I'm really proud of all of the things that I like. So, I don't don't consider it... I love love romance novels. um, But it's not a guilty pleasure. Sure. Um, I like... I like eating an entire pizza to myself. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. I like that. Uh, one place that you want to travel that you haven't yet visited. Okay. Um, Greece. I want to visit the Temple of Poseidon. Yes. Again, seeing a theme here. Uh, favorite holiday? Halloween. Favorite movie? The, the Little Mermaid. Little, oh, yeah, I should have. Yeah, duh. Uh, cats or dogs? I'm allergic to both, but I love dogs. Okay. How about, okay, favorite animal then? How about that? Um, favorite animal? I love wolves. Okay, say, don't say mermaids. Don't say No, they're people. <laughs> right, exactly. That's what's making sure. Uh, favorite food? Um, tacos. Oh, you're wonderful. If you could have dinner with one person, alive or dead, who would you pick? Alive or dead? Yeah. It could be anyone. Um, I would like to hang out with Edgar Allan Poe. That's a good one. Yeah. I like that a lot. All right. He might be sad. But... <laughs> well, it would probably be very sad, yeah. All right. Last question. Uh, what do you hope people take away from reading your books? I hope that people take away um, uh, the sense of family mm-hmm. and uh, the, the desire to read uh, different books and books filled with magic and the idea that a girl can be strong without being physically um, physically strong, that power can come from within you. That's perfect. Sarada, thank you so much for joining thank us Thank you. Today. This is great. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else the importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out.